A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflot and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either Apple Podcasts. Well done. Well done. Slowly, learning slowly. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AW Dynamite, but also the Red Baby, baby uh, Raw, and down <laughs> the show formerly known as NXT Dubai. No! Pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review AW Dynamite. And woof, what a show this was, Sidgwick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is absolutely tremendous. I've got one tiny pedantic flaw that I want to get out of the way. I want to know what more the full gear card looks like. Like I'm ready to be encouraged to part with my theoretical money. Um, this was... If this show happened in the midst of um, pay-per-view cycles, and it often does, like he often does an in-ring heavy show, and he'll suffix it with a beach break, or a fighter fest or whatever. Yeah. It felt like an amazing or very, very, very great version of one of those cards when realistically I was looking for a bit more of what I call the trifecta, the match angle promo trifecta. We got a decent bit of it, but I just thought I want to know what the full gear card looks like. So I'm ready to be hyped about it. Three weeks on Saturday, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, and again, we only got one match so far. Yeah. To be fair, though, Tony Khan has earned his letter play out <laughs> privileges. Pretty implied big one as well with one of the segments on this show, a yeah. massive one. <laughs> I'd love this. I just love this. I think my uh, my need for excellent wrestling, I think we've established with like lots of me talking about NXT and WWE, slightly lower than Citrix. <laughs> so they sailed over that bar. Um, I we're going to get into it, but I loved uh, what felt like a lot more joined up thinking. Uh, you said tighten up, Cedric. Like the football analogy of like there being a lot of loose threads within Tony Khan's storytelling in 2022 at large, I think. But this had so much of the little things I liked. Mm. I was really encouraged about everybody's headspace. 
behind the scenes, which is a weird thing to say when you're critiquing what's on screen on a wrestling <laughs> show. But I just felt like so much more of this was the joined up thinking that I expect from AEW. Mm. Loads throughout the show. Um, like high quality work, even if there was nothing like, you know, you weren't throwing stars out the air for anything. But I was like, the first two matches. Jesus Christ. High, high quality. And just loads of characters. Maybe this is just what it feels like when characters are doing what you expect them to do because you've put trust in the process for so long that this is how people should behave again. I th- like a really, really uh, tightly written two hours that I got mm. a lot of enjoyment out of. One of my favourite Dynamites of the year, this <laughs> thing. It seems weird, yeah, to say, a lot of wrestling on this wrestling show. But I think I think you're right, Sitch. But also, I often talk about how the last match guides my perspective on a whole show. Uh, ironically for this one, it was the first match where I watched it and went, there we go, that's yeah. the Dynamite I want to see. And then it just rolled on from there and, uh, yeah, it was wrestling heavy. Yes, there was some some very interesting developments, obviously, um, promos and, and the like with, well, a very brief promo with Soraya and Britt Baker, but we got what they're going for. Mm. Uh, and, of course, uh, MJF just being MJF. Um, but, yeah, I had, I had a great time watching this show. And, uh, and let's dive straight into it because the show opened uh, straight away with the whole uh, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Utah versus uh, Daniel Garcia and Chris Jericho match. Siege, I'm going to get this wrong, so I'm going to pan to you on this. What was the regal line about Excalibur and a creme brulee? Ooh, 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 man in the mask. You look like uh, you lovely creme brulee. You, I'd love to crack you in my mouth and ooh, all the cream, something like that. So it can melt. Is Creme Brulee the one that's dead hard to get right? I always remember there was yeah. always a one on Come Dine With Me that people would try because it was more about the fact they nailed it. Than and it's it. just some posh twat with a blowtorch. Yeah. Who wants I, to show off? It's oh, like I bought new ramekins and I've got a blowtorch. Yeah, it's got yeah. It's got that beautiful sugary, burnt yeah. sugar, crystal-y shell. Good Creme Brulee is a delicious dessert. <laughs> I, uh, I remember I tried to make that at school once. What? As part of our food tank. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I'd had it maybe like once on holiday and gone, right. well, this is lovely. What is it? Eggs and so I started making it. It was awful, obviously, <laughs> but uh, it's too many eggs. I think I put in, which is probably a bad. Oh, lovely eggy dessert there, right? <laughs> but the funniest thing, <laughs> the, eggs. the perfect personification of of where my family standing in the world. I think it's best to say, and I'm sure you two can relate to this. Putting it all together, got the recipe in front of me. I'm like, I don't know, 13 or whatever. Cooking, mum, where's the blowtorch? You are. Where's the family? You know, cooking blowtorch. Uh, we ain't got one of them. Family cooking blowtorch. Yeah. yeah, that's I. Just, just like one. in the instructions, get your family blowtorch. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the one in the shed, Dad. <laughs> no, no, son. There was no purpose in our life for a blowtorch. What about when we were making creme brulees? As I was saying, there was no purpose in our life for a blowtorch. You will have custard and you will <laughs> like it. You see that? You see those <laughs> cubes of jelly in the fridge? <laughs> Boil them. Put them back in the fridge. Pudding. Uh, right, so obviously um, the crowd hugely behind uh, Blackpool Combat Club, mainly uh, Wheeler Utah, of course. Um, they initially start by double anvil elbowing Jericho and Garcia, who have to get dragged to the outside by Cool Hand and Anjan Daddy Magic. Um, Garcia gets isolated, manages to kick free of a giant swing and tag to Jericho. Um, Castagnoli uh, starts dominating him and then gets tripped by Hager right in front of the referee, but... You know, is what it is. Uh, Jericho hits a springboard dropkick to send Claudio to the floor. Uh, I think that's when we went to the break. Um, and then we come back. Garcia's trying to sleep her. Castagnoli counters it into a suplex and takes out a charge in Jericho with a pop-up uppercut. Uta gets the hot tag. He runs wild, sends Garcia to the floor, hits Jericho with a huge splash and an angle slam for a nice two count. 
Uh, Castagnoli and you obviously worked together um, until Jericho gra- uh, manages to counter a springboard uppercut from Claudio into a code breaker. Utah takes out Garcia, um, Daddy Magic, and Cool Hand Ange on the floor. Jericho tries to uh, take uh, Ca- Claudio out with Floyd the Bat. He gets power bombed by Castagnoli. He's in the position for the Jericho uh, for the Giant Swing. Uh, is Jericho Garcia comes in and Claudio does his ridiculous show of strength. He's got him. He's got Garcia in the fireman's carry, and he spins Jericho. And then, just I, I, I thought, oh, this is a fun spot. I mean, it's going to be a shame when he gets cut off. And then he just wasn't. He just ran wild on everyone. Jump on you, punch you on the outside, um, and he finally hits a top rope uppercut on Chris Jericho and pins the Ring of Honor World Champion Sige. Oh my yeah, this is absolutely great, and it was so great, in fact, that I'm going to promise to like genuinely reorder my thinking of things. I need to remember to be a better analyst that this is episodic TV and the payoffs will come and the development will come. And even if something feels like it's dragging on or it's a little bit oppressive, the catharsis will come. Trust the process, basically, is what I'm Mm. arriving at here. Because I just loved all of this from a deft dovetailing perspective and from a character perspective as well. Wheeler Utah is pissed off, right? He's absolutely incensed that his hero has basically said oh, his career rival is better than him. It's not just anyone saying that, you know, the person you are basically fated to feud with forevermore, <laughs> he's better than you, and I'm not even aligned with him, and he's betrayed you at the same time. I still be better. Like, he was pissed off, and he carried that fury into this performance, which was basically follow that mother... Mm. Like the Batista thing. He was so great. The fire was incredible. The conviction of his work, the self-belief, like the defiance of how dare you say that? I'm going to kill both of these guys. <laughs> Such great character work from Wheeler Utah. And Claudio had just as much of a reason to be pissed off because he was cheated out of the ROH title by Jericho. So his version of a really furious, vengeful performance was more spectacular because he's Claudio. And his rampage here was just out of this world great. He looked every bit the guy that is the idealized image of himself that everyone has this perception of Claudio. This is his best individual performance, if not quite his best match in AEW because he was incredible. And it was just watching two baby faces with motive and uh, incredible individual performances in this super fun, super dramatic, fun match. And Chris Jericho, without the chance to cheat, just got his ass kicked. <laughs> and it was just so rewarding to watch the goodies win. Yeah. This was awesome. Genuinely awesome. Um, and it, is great because the Jericho Appreciation Society is two things at once simultaneously. It's dragged on too long, and it's getting really great again at the same time. <laughs> and I can't really sort of make my mind up about it, but I think the twist of how it's really sort of starting to dent and fracture the BCC from within is like a really great twist to the story that I've badly needed. Um, ROH is good. Pass it on. <laughs> it's quite Chris Jericho in itself in how much it can undulate, isn't it? It's very him him for it to go up and down like that. Someone out there, please make um, uh, Claudio getting the Mario Invincibility star and making his body (laughs) rainbow (laughs) coloured. Because, like, it's always great like this. This, You know what? Dangerously, this could have played as a tribute to the legendary one he did when he was in the bar on Raw, and it didn't. It was just as good, if not better, because they just felt like there was more bodies with which for him to attack, like, around the ring. Uh, and within the context of this match, it was better because it felt more important. I think, to Sidrick's point, felt like he had a bit of something to prove because it was Jericho he was in there with, and he remembered. You know, it was nice to see the characters remember some wrongdoings and the fact that he lost his title. 
in unfair fashion. It was just everybody was just expected, oh, gone off me, have you? <laughs> so like, everybody was just expected to move on. I think you were too hard on yourself, Sige. I don't think you are a bad analyst. I think I you're don't say that, you cut. I think you're an absolute cock. <laughs> good save. Uh, yeah. Very good. I'm very save. good. That's, I could that's, just, why you, that's why you're very good. I'm very good. I could just be better. There's No, I disagree. You. There was no process to trust. This pinfall here felt like the first one that Tony Khan has committed to in like six months. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. been desperate for a match with all stars. Chris Jericho just got pinned, did he? Well, it turns out you can do that. And oh my God, the world's not going to fall over. Like, <laughs> where's that been in yeah. AEW in 2022, especially? Wasn't that what was so great about 2019, 2020, and most of 2020, 2021? Like, I just, this felt like a transgression for how he's booked for most this year. Jericho's gotten pinned. I don't necessarily want Cesaro to get a title shot, but this idea that Jericho is fallible as the Ring of Honor World Champion is way more interesting now that he can lose because based on where the two stables were, this felt like a, well, it's an obvious uh, victory for the JAS because Moxley isn't in the team. So they can, they can absorb the loss. I didn't want to be thinking about AEW matches of, well, who can absorb the loss more? I wanted to see who was going to win and mm. what was going to happen off the back of that. I was glad he got the win. I was glad that Utah was vindicated. And I was especially glad with what we got coming up next and then how it factored into the stuff later on the show as well. I really appreciated that being like kind of a show-long mm. thread, I guess, which paid paid off in the main event. We mentioned that, yeah. Renee Paquette was earning her money tonight. Yeah. Uh, she started off the night backstage with Brian Danielson. He's pissed off. He's frustrated. He's frustrated uh, losing to Chris Jericho again. He's frustrated that Daniel Garcia has turned on him and uh, Daniel Go- uh, and uh, Wheelie Ewer me, 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 giving it all that as well, talking back to him last night. He, he's really furious. The years are talking. He says, uh, he says, I, look, I know everyone, <laughs> I know everyone hates Sammy Guevara. He slags off his vlog, uh, and he says, don't worry though, because he's going to be in the room with me tonight, and I'm going to take all my frustration out on him. Uh, Wheelie Uta comes in and goes, yeah, see what you just did out there, huh, dickhead? Um, <laughs> says, look, I'm not a kid, I'm a grown ass man, and they get into it, and Claudio comes in, oh, lads, he's not worth it, he's not worth it. Uh, Brian slaps Uta, says, don't disrespect me. Claudio says, what well, is his bloody birthday? What are you doing? Um, and he says, don't worry, breadcrumbs. We'll sit down after this match and discuss it like adults. Nice. So this was nice. so nice. The detail was nice. I would have given this seven stars if it weren't for one kind of, oh, when you think about it, that's a bit silly, um, flaw, right? If they'd followed this up with Danielson versus Guevara, this would have been absolutely immaculate. The single most organic interrupted promo you'll have ever seen mm, in your life. That's a good point. There was a great reason for Danielson to be there, and there was a great reason for Utah to be there. That Their paths crossing made such beautiful, pedantic sense for Even me. like the babyface tunnel side of Gorilla. Yeah. This idea there is two corridors, yeah. and they don't interact before they go to the ring. Yeah, And I love that so much. But the idea that Danielson was like doing Hindu squats for about 40 minutes. <laughs> if anyone was going to do that, I would yeah. expect Danielson yeah. to do it. But maybe if the match had have followed there and then, it would have been all the more immersive. But what a glorious, well-thought-out detail. And these things do add up because when they haven't been adding up, as they haven't been, all the fucking relentless backstage interruptions, <laughs> it can get very, very, very contrived. This was anti-contrived, and I loved it. And maybe, you know what, Danielson probably would do <laughs> loads of Hindu squats before his match with Guevara. I loved this promo and what was asked Just of the idea of other people passing him by. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Danielson. What's he doing here? That's all he He's in seg five. He, he comes to work and he does Hindu squats for two solid hours no yeah. matter where his match is, including after the match. Um, Brian, it occurred to me in this promo that Brian Danielson is too good for all of wrestling, and that includes Tony Khan's booking impulses, because he will do what is asked of him. 
And we know, like, Tony Khan has a lot of thoughts all at the same time, sometimes too many, if anything. And Actually. Actually. <laughs> and Danielson has been asked to be, like, a fun guy with a big smile on his face, the Kenny Omega Dream Match guy, the holding teeth in his hands guy when running through the Dark Order, a proper house heel against Hangman Page, a... Um, giving Daniel Garcia an arm around the shoulder, man manager. That's too many roles, but Brian will play them because he's a genius at this. This was who he was. For like for change, this felt focused, this felt related to the mm. story, related to the match all at the same time, and it's the first time in a while. That's what's ultimately held him back, I think, from being a world title contender, is that you like, you know who John Moxley is, you knew who CM Punk was, who Hangman Page was. I don't think you've been ever allowed to know who Brian is for more than sort of two, three weeks at a time. He should be this guy. He should be this one because yeah. this felt totally joined up with the match. Uh, very excited when I came into work today to talk to you about what came next. A video package, Thanos-esque, of the Elite being snapped out of existence in AW Wrestling. <laughs> um, it was, you know, st- shots from when they were first announced in the company, title matches, blah, 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 all of them, you know, just gone. Um, the Elite coming back, Sige. Yes. Two words, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I said, right, when I was doing a bit of a bit slash cope, when it was threatened that maybe the elite might not come back. Everything's bit slash cope now, isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, just yeah. to me how all of Twitter is bit slash cope. Bit <laughs> slash cope. I was like, oh, well, you know, if they're not coming back, just change the name of the promotion. Cody's not there, yeah? <laughs> Kenny Omega yeah. and the Young Bucks aren't there. Yeah. So what's elite about it? Call it all wrestling. That's what it is. And it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was cope, but it was also a bit. Yeah. The idea that, it's kind of weird how you called it that, actually, and it was a bit uh, bold actually, thinking that they're going to be elite the whole time. And they took the E out and called it all wrestling, so you are welcome. Mm. They're obviously coming back. This is incredibly exciting. The idea of, I'm going to butcher this, but there are some anime nerds. I'm going to cream when I say this. Kenny Omega already went Super Saiyan, I think. Uh, I think that's at... Over 9,000. Poco Rosso. At... I just remember on the T-shirt, is that a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Super Saiyan, I think. Yeah. I, I think. It's Super Saiyan, I think. <laughs> it's Super Saiyan. It's Super Saiyan, I think. And Akira, actually. He already did that at All Out. But now, because he's had two months on top of that body, he could go Super, Super Saiyan, actually. Super, Duper Saiyan. <laughs> so a well-rest... Fancy Saiyan. Saiyancy Dan. A rested elite. And bear in mind that the Young Bucks necks are kind of Connected with tape at this point. (laughs) They've all had a long period of rest. It'll be stressful, but they've ultimately had nothing to do. The last time they had such a break, they were like deep into the EVP rules, very, very stressed, ahead of double or nothing. They've just had nothing to do except work out and see their kids. They'll be rested. They'll they'll have their bit between their teeth Mm. to come back and go, right, there are going to be people, if we don't be the best version of ourselves, who will say, are you sided with them over Punk for this, or Punk's not coming back because of these. They know they have to deliver and deliver huge, and they love that. The last time people thought, ah, the elite aren't so elite, actually, was December 2019. Mm -hmm. What happened in February 2020? Just worked the greatest tag team match (laughs) of all time, so I'm so excited for this. And I like the idea that they are referencing the fact that they've just been erased. It's not like, we're back all of a sudden, and it's weird. So encouraging. So great. I can't believe the entire internet, including my esteemed colleague, has completely misread this thing. So there's a Thanos reference. Imagine if it was just their goodbye. That's it. (laughs) I think that's what's happened. They've obviously all signed for WWE. There's a Thanos reference. They're literally disappearing from television. It's a good snare. Triple H has got under the... (laughs) He's got 
good to, to, to build on that, to build on that, have you seen the meme? No. And it's one of those memes where it's kind of ironic to the AEW fans, but the WWE fans are taking it earnestly. Right. It's Triple H as Thanos right. to rebuild the fallen empire of WWE. I don't know if this ties into the Marvel, <laughs> to the MCU or not, because, you know, I just don't like it. But like, it's got rings, stones? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Infinity stones. Like carrying cross the on Infinity Infinity gauntlet, gauntlet, yeah. The Infinity gauntlet, and it's got like top dollar yeah. carrying cross. <laughs> and people are like, oh, all the NXT guys are back. Great, he's, he's gathering the stones to become uh, invincible or something. Yeah, so like, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Does he become invincible with the stones? It becomes, yeah, almost unstoppable, basically. So that's Triple H becoming unstoppable against AEW by gathering the Infinity Stones of Top Dollar and Carrying Cross. And people are making these memes earnestly, and it's like it's it's Top Dollar and Carrying Cross, lads. You've got Dexter Loomis on your little finger. That's doing nothing for anybody. <laughs> Maybe is there WWE vignette on AEW TV? That's it. This was actually them being erased permanently from the show. It couldn't have been any clearer. Mm. I don't know what people are going to have cost. Now it's going to be class. They're going to work full gear. They're probably going to, like, Tony Carr should probably just do uh, Yeah, I've uh, checked the rankings, and it uh, turns out it's the Elite versus Death Triangle for the belts. See you full gear. Okay. Like, all right, let's just do it. Like, the Elite get the Lucha Brothers. Uh, Young Bucks get the Lucha Brothers one last time. Kenny and Pac. Let's just pretend this is a story when it's blatantly not, but the belts were supposed to be. I don't know what you're talking Dog getting hit with a door? No, no. Yeah. It's just all out. Fine. Yeah. Death Triangle. Doggy door? <laughs> I just put one in the bottom of the thing. It probably wouldn't be a problem. Why do you like? I'm not. I'm gonna go at CM Punk. I shouldn't take dog to work. Like nobody's talking about that. Not dog's, a dog guy. This dog guy. should it's not, not be the dog's the fault. It's not the dog. It's not Larry's fault. You know what? Fault. Did it even happen? We don't know. We don't know. If this hypothetical door to the face of a dog incident occurred, it's not Larry's fault. I'm not saying it is. But sh- it, like you saw him run down the ramp. He could have pissed in the ring. He could have pissed on the floor, and a rest could have slipped on it. Then he'd be like, "Oh, what about the dog?" Like. Somebody could have destroyed their foot. Like, what was it? Obliterated their foot on dog piss. I just, I don't think the dog should have been in the workplace. That's on CM Punk, but dogs shouldn't be getting injured because people shouldn't be fighting at work either. There's a lot of shouldn'ts in this situation. Obviously, we're all inferring this. Two sides to every story. Not one of us in this room right now, Michael Hamflet, Adam Wilborn, nor Michael Sidgwick, know the truth of the matter, right? I, I love how the CM Punk side of the story Various stories conjures up, you know, those images like from The Simpsons when they're really satirizing yeah. like TV and it's like Homer Badman. It's like he sleeps in a tent that gives him sexual powers. It's like <laughs> brain down the door. And it's like, no, Homer Simpson, no, no, Kenny Omega, no. And it's fucking the elite, <laughs> poof, like towering over them. And it's a CM Punk like, oh no, Hangman Page is going to shoot on me. No. <laughs> it's it's like his side of the story. Is a Simpsons satire of media skit. It's Peter Griffin uh, when he got his prostate examined and he takes the doctor to court. <laughs> yeah. And like, he d- he's doing the flashback and it starts on a pirate ship for some you sure, reason. You sure that wasn't in black and white? <laughs> we don't know the truth. No. All I know is that it's quite amusing that CM Punk's story, or truth of the matter, feels like the Simpsons satirizing yeah. the media. Well, it's funny you say that, actually, because, uh, um, you know, I've got some contacts within within the... You know. Yeah. And uh, I actually managed to get the live audio from when the door opened. If this is about animal cruelty, we'll have to edit it out. Yeah, it's not. Because that's not on. Okay, so um, just just prick your ears back. Here's some live audio I'm about to play for you from the incident backstage at All Out. And Stax will not make an appearance here, although it will sound a little bit like the door that when opens when Stax comes in. So uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just play that for you now. Let go of all your pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So that was who was script on. <laughs> yeah, can you make with young? It's actually Larry the dog talking there as well. Excited to have the elite bag. That's what we're talking about, right? Get well soon, Larry. If indeed, yeah, yeah. like, and, you know, there'll be receipts for vets bills and that. So that can actually—that's a weird thing to say in a wrestling <laughs> podcast, but that can be put out there if it actually happened. That's it. That poor thing at the vet—that's yeah. going to come I out. Hate the it? idea that dog got hurt. It's yeah, horrible. Of course, yes. I do. You do. Tony Khan definitely would. Like nobody <laughs> wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> right, Tony Schiavone's backstage with the JAS uh, audio is all over the bloody place. Here, I was just shaking my head. You're playing out, I'd say. What is this, 2019? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, Jericho issues. The Elite really are back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've got their EVP rolls back. Uh, <laughs> EVP of microphones. Here you go. Tony Khan just gets some King of the Mic ones. These are your special microphones. You've got to look after these. They're just big inflatable ones. Thanks, boss. That's so funny. Did you see the bit with the boot? Oh, what button do I press, boss? <laughs> Like is, red, is red light on or off, boys? <laughs> <laughs> you see the boom sneaking into shot here? Yeah, <laughs> Giovanni's like, he doesn't even know if he needs to hold the microphone near me. because Nick Jackson was holding it. <laughs> Sorry, boys. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Anyway, ooh. What's that? I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Whoa, Matt, put that down. You'll hurt your back. <laughs> you you have to re-trigger that dog. The elitist teamsters. <laughs> got like tool belts on and stuff. When I nod my head, you hit it, okay? <laughs> Boink. Oh! <laughs> Three stooges. Oh. Right, anyway, what we do? Oh, oh. yeah, in the, words of, uh, in the words of Luke Gallows. Ooh, open challenge. <laughs> Jericho issued an open challenge to the Ring of Honor world champion, and Guevara said, I'm going to win. And kissed take on he basically. Yeah. That's basically what happened. I mean, it, we didn't. We I haven't got the verbatim what was said, but that was the gist of it. Wasn't yeah. It? Well, when's that next week? Next week? That's yeah. next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk yeah. about dynamite preview because uh, instead we've got to talk about the number one contenders match that followed for the uh, tag team titles. Uh, it was FTR versus Swerve in our glory. I think I might go as FTR for uh, Halloween. I love Gun Club's outfits. I love it. I know I've seen them before, but I was like, ah, he just seems to get, I f- forgot about it. And then it popped all over again when they're at ringside. Yeah, well, look, FTR's watching FTR. <laughs> they should have to come out to the, the, the theme when they do the yeah. match, even if it's the show. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, yeah. you don't want to ruin the pop for. Did they, did they, did they got they got an AWC, what? They got like an AEW, so yeah. That was they? before. Uh, they got like their own sort of. They've had three themes. They have had three themes. They've yeah. had the. Yeah. <laughs> and they've had the Four Horsemen, Jimmy Hart version. Yeah. And then they've had the Jimmy Hart version of uh, Chase by Jojo Maroon. And everyone's like, forget about that. Forget to copy the third one's the best. Like, the, yeah. Come on, like the towels s- around the necks. Yeah. Yeah. I like the second one. Skid marks. But right. the third one is better cosplay. Aye. Tony Storm's got a good cosplay theme at the moment, hasn't she? It's a bit hard. It's hard, isn't it? I don't like it, you know. Do you not? Would you it just, should would be you in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Do you like heart in general? I'm a heart guy. Like 1987 hair metal. I like heart. I like heart. Yeah. There's something about the vocal in the Tony Storm that I don't like it very much. Mm. Just pay, just pay for heart. Acclaimed mm. yeah, yeah. uh, in Daddy Alone. Ass. Alone. Hang on, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. These dreams. Oh, you're gonna play scripts again? Because <laughs> <laughs> I pressed the wrong button, right? For future reference, it's. There. Yeah, I know that, but it's red on the other one. I know. It's a dangerous So I press the wrong one because it's red on the other one. Yeah, what happens if you press that? Don't just make it. 
<laughs> I love the fact that when we did that, we were like, right, just this week because it's DX week, then we'll get it's rid of it. Week. It's Gap yeah, Week. Yeah. Um, Daddy Seth, Ass. Seth Rollins in AEW. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Degeneration X, Daddy Ass is sat at the top of the ramp with the acclaimed. I've got it back on track. Um, so early on, uh, it's Swerve with FTR and he gets to, to Lee, who Lee avoids a big rig. And uh, I mean, you might as well press it again. Oh my God. Double leapfrog. <sighs> Do you want to actually? I've, I've got my pen and paper here. What did you say when Keith Lee did the, did the leapfrog? So you telly in your in your front room. Oh, f- off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you're not the only one because even though we said, oh yeah, Keith Lee does stuff that's ridiculous for a man of his size, it is still astonishing to see it when he does it. Uh, double down, double crossbody onto FTR. That takes us to a break because. Yeah, that's what that's the kind of spot you do to take everyone to a break. They're not going anywhere after that. Sidge, what's your ultimate f off spot? I know mine. You know that like when you when you just did that, but like And you just lose your mind. Yeah, mine while well, you've got thinking that mine was when um when, when Pac counted the Kitaru Crusher by just front flipping out of it. Yeah. I'd rather like, off. <laughs> I, it's Kenny by the unacceptable athleticism from the greatest. Mine was the Canadian destroyer to the outside. Oh, and the, During that and the pan, the pandemic oh, fighter fest. I love that match so much. Uh, I wish I'd just run it back. Just move for move in front of fans. It's like sort of theoretically the opposite of pandemic wrestling. How many guys can we get out there in one go? Yeah, the get as close together as possible in a bunch <laughs> of bunch of spots. It's like, awesome. They're taking tests. I was the like, the I tests cannot... exist in June 2020. I don't know. They're taking tests. They got yeah, masters yeah, yeah. I remember when we did the podcast for that. Um, I asked you, well, what noise did you make? Yeah. Because everyone <laughs> must have made some kind of noise when they saw it. And I don't think I actually told it to F off. I think I just squealed. Yeah. <laughs> squealed and for five wonderful seconds. I was like, this is as happy as I've been. <laughs> Literally in months. Yeah. Uh, so we come back. Wheeler tries a sunset flip, but Lee just powers him up into a double overhand job that just ended his life, basically. Uh, he dodges a Lee splash, though, it does, uh, does uh, Wheeler. Backdrop Swerve, gets to Dax. Harwood comes in and just goes, oh, we're doing chops, are we? So he does that to Swerve and Lee for a bit. Lee gets sent to the floor. Uh, Swerve and Harwood start trading some near falls. Swerve goes for something, slips, but recovers quickly, hits a crossbody, uh, and Harwood rolls through for a two count. Wheeler comes in, series of uppercuts. Swerve vaults off Harwood, tags in Lee, and they hit a double team on Wheeler and take Harwood out outside, which is just astonishing again. There's the electric chair into a power bomb by Lee and Swerve, but Wheeler kicks out. Pile diver as well. <laughs> Wheeler avoids the power bomb into the Swerve stomp. Harwood ultimately plants Swerve with a, a bounce back power bomb of his own. He does it off like the ropes about six times, which was great. Um, Wheeler gets hit with a headbutt. Lee collapses onto him. That gets a two count. Um, Lee gets cut off in the corner by Harwood. Superplex. Um, doesn't quite get all the top rope splash because Lee's just rolling him out. Going, Bloody hell, that hurt. Um, <laughs> and Lee kicks out of the powerplex. They go for a big rig. Swerve stops it. Book this, by the way. Uh, Wheeler cuts off an assisted powerbomb, and they do hit the big rig on Keith Lee. But again, Swerve pulls out Dax Harwood at two. Um, Swerve sends Wheeler into the gun club, who goes, thanks very much, and start kicking the crap out of him. Harwood rolls up Lee. The referee's got his back to all this um, with Wheeler and the gun club as a result of this. Um, Harwood goes into the ropes. Swerve just low blows him. Keith Lee doesn't even know anything about this. Um, And uh, Lee hits the ground zero for the victory. Uh, and post, post-match, post Gun Club just beat the crap out of FTR more before the Acclaim chase them off. And Swerve in our glory and number one contenders again. This ruled ass. Um, two matches in a row. 
Jericho gets pinned in the opener. FTR get pinned in the second match. This is this is how you book a like Tony Khan knows this as well. This is how you book properly in AEW because everybody can be fine. Because wins and losses matter again, even if you haven't got rankings. This match was absolutely tremendous. Um, I'm beginning to work myself into thinking that Swerve and Our Glory have to stay together and defeat the acclaimed two out of three falls, lest you turn the acclaimed into kind of a boy and a boy and his dinosaur type fighting champions, but with nobody in particular. I just think the chemistry is fantastic. They out FTR FTR here. Like FTR had to work as the baby faces, knowing full well what heels do because they've spent all these years doing it themselves, and yet they got caught by it. Um, I also think they're telling quite a nice story with Keith Lee. You know the whole, oh, he's, if only he'd seen that they'd been cheating, maybe that would be fine. I think Keith Lee's watching television. I know. He's, he's, he will, he's willfully ignoring it at this point. And there's been too many occasions where Swerve's been an absolute bastard, and Keith Lee's like, oh, we're still cool. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He does know. And now at this point, they're going to start using it to their advantage. And that dynamic is tremendous because Keith Lee not yet committing to the heel turn until it matters the most. Yeah. When he hoofs, let's say, Max Castro. Hey, 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 what do you think you're doing? Here's how you do a low blow. And that's how they win the title back, <laughs> for example. That. is a totally different dynamic that I don't think anybody would have called when it looked like Swerve and our glory were going to fall apart. Swerve's methods are working. So why would Keith need logic think, oh, let's just actually stick with this and we'll get our belts back. I love this team. I love this match. They have absolutely sold me on FTR getting like really cruel revenge on the gun club because they're going to kick their asses and that's going to be really satisfying and cathartic. This is tremendous. The division feels alive again. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, there's a deft touch to this division that I haven't seen all year and I'm so in favour of it. Like this is... February 2020 tier tag team wrestling in terms of the division, how it interacts with itself, how so many different questions hang over the match and finding out which answer will it be is always quite elusive and it's just so unpredictable and so dramatic and it was so loud and 95% of this match was so well worked. The odd wonky moment, I will forgive because the drama was absolutely out the ass. So there was three probable um, outcomes here. Because you knew there wasn't going to be a clean finish. But you can excuse that for mm -hmm. TV, um, particularly if the story's good and justifies it. Kingdom, make their interference, um, presence felt and interfere, ditto gun club, or the split happens, which is great because it's always hanging over everything. And yes, I've done it before, but this is a different version of the Page Omega dynamic, so I will take it. And yet, the action was so hot and so perfectly timed for the most part, that people were prepared to buy a clean finish because the near falls were so close and so well-constructed. I adored so much how you got the two sides of Keith Lee here. And, you know, something like Swerve and Cash worked together tremendously well, but Keith Lee in particular impressed me so much because he did the two great things that Keith Lee does. He did these spectacular, physics-defying feats of agility where it's just so incredulous and you can't believe he can do it. But he also worked perfectly like a big man throughout to inform an absolutely electrifying near fall where they couldn't get him for the big rig. I think they tried like two or three times. Like, it just can't be done. It can't be done. Look at the size of them. And when they eventually did it, it's like, well, that, that's a finish because they've done this yeah. thing mm -hmm. that, that they've established throughout the match as being incredibly hard. And then, no, because with perfect timing at like 2.999, Swerve just drags Dax out of the pin. You really thought, well, that has to be the finish because they finally did it and it wasn't. And the low blow completely took me... Um, by surprise, because I thought it would be a gun club distraction, and it turns out it was gun club just holding them back, and it was just that so was good. Brilliant man! Like, like I would do that stuff, holding like yeah. back from a kick out. Uh, like Cash Wheeler thing. sold it brilliantly. It looked like it was struggling in there. I thought this is majestic professional wrestling television, and the first forty minutes of this show were just seven star. Mm. Hot take: Swerve's quite good as a heel. Right, Dan. 
Pass it on. Pass it on. Also, I've just thought as you're talking there, uh, at the, I assume they're going to do a match at the Pape, maybe, between the Gun Club and FTR. Have Gun Club. Or they could do FTR beat Gun Club to establish them ahead of Kingdom, but then Taven's going to... Uh, Tim's going to lose in his debut, so I don't know what's going on there. It might be a weird visual to have any of the firm like wrestling a traditional match at full gear, like yeah. if, if they're going to if they're going to factor into the main event. Although I suppose it does give them a reason to be in the building, so could go both ways. I just wanted them to make an entrance on a really funny knockoff version of the car that FTR first showed up in. <laughs> <laughs> they drove in at Daily Place. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a crap, like a cycle, like Flintstones car. Yeah, well, look at us, we're FTR, <laughs> motorbike and sidecar. We're men in trucks. <laughs> <laughs> they love truck stuff, then, didn't they? Cars and trucks. Jumping down our yellow jackets because we drove all night. <laughs> That's what they said, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Renee Packett is backstage again. Back, this he's coming out to Roy Orbison. Well, they didn't have the tash either, did he? And he's like, he's, he's full beard on. Men and Motors. Reckon that was a bit of Men and Motors. <laughs> to make love to you. Very creepy. That was on Men and Motors. Orbison. Yeah, yeah. It's creep like. Strange like, energy. Great music. Great voice. If you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> weird guy. <laughs> like, I drove all night to get to you. Is that all right? Well, you probably should ask before you start the car, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a long drive. Double check. No phones then. Yeah. Not mobiles, but you know, pay phones. <laughs> Stop at the services. Leg stretch every three hours. Especially if you're driving all night. Fall asleep. <laughs> Good for circulation. <laughs> TB. The services I would stop at. Apparently, David Lynch mm. once told Roy Orbison when, like, trying to. Is this <laughs> real? <laughs> we're trying to request, like, uh, the rights uh, for In Dreams, yeah. in Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. He was like, I love your energy, Roy, because you're quite strange and that fits in with, like. I create the most frightening characters. And that fits you... in with, and they can. And, like, Roy was like, Oh, I'm strange. He's like, <laughs> Did you not know? <laughs> Listen to your lyrics. Picture in that now. Did you not know, Roy? <laughs> Just this confused sort of brow furrowing as <laughs> I love that. Get me that conversation on. Like the Blue Velvet DVD extras. <laughs> Getting Roy Orbison's signature. <laughs> You're weird, Roy. <laughs> You're a weird guy. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Is that alright? <laughs> no. Puts phone down, song doesn't get written. Roy Orbison's, I'll stay at home then, I suppose. <laughs> jacket. <laughs> stay at home with jacket. Look at pictures of pretty women. <laughs> hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, returning to <laughs> AW Dynamite. Absolute boy Orbison. Payback <laughs> gets backstage with Soraya, uh, and she gets about a sentence out when Britt Baker shows up. And Soraya just goes, oh, don't start with me, bitch. I'm not in the mood. Right. Great. This was, this was great because at this point, Britt Baker and Soraya should be up they kind of be in the same room together it's escalated we're gonna have a pay-per-view match but renee paquette the host in this new role wants to be a professional sit them down she's done this a million times before however tony khan does still kind of book women like he's watched those 80s like porkies type films that's what i mean they're like if you're not if your best mate should have pillow fights but if you're angry shut up like <laughs> a slap fight being part there was a little bit of that energy that i didn't like but like, if this was too... It's awful, this, but if this was two male wrestlers, they cannot be... Like, as soon as they're doing it together, they just want to fight. Mm. So the, the intended spirit was good. The execution was still a little bit like, awful lot of bros here. <laughs> I uh, enjoyed it on a earnest and perverse level because Soraya is a character with agency mm. and she's treated more seriously and she will not stand for Britt Baker's stuff. She knows what she's about. She's a clever character, a clever baby face. She knows she's going to try and get one up on her verbally. And it's like, oh, I can't be arsed to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Thunder Rosa had to stand there and go, mm. 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 <laughs> it's like, I got a sandbag. It was like, hey, hey. <laughs> and Thunder Rosa had to go, yeah, 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 very funny, very funny. It's like, that's that's terrible. <laughs> just going to put the barrel of this gun straight at your heart, Thunder. Don't move. It's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Thunder Rosa, what's she like, eh? <laughs> Anyway, Renee says, shut up. Uh, um, we're going to do this. We'll do it properly. Renee is such a benefit to this program. Yeah. yeah. That's going to rule as well. That's Her facial expressions, whenever Yuta was talking, she looked a bit uncomfortable, like the disdain for MGF. Like, she's just great. It's not a match, but think about next week. They're going to have a sit down. It normally would only be reserved for Jim Ross and two guys. They're going to have a sit down on Dynamite, and that's as g- almost as good as a second match because that match is. Yeah, maybe we counter. won't play the game next that's week. That's a personal issue that's going to get its own television time. Nothing to do with the title. A genuinely impressive film. Yeah. Look at you. I know, yeah. Hair it, huh? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned her disdain for MJF. That came next. Uh, she's on the entrance ramp. She introduces MJF. He gets his snap cackle. He's yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Every time. He says, uh, devil's arrived. Who's uh, the devil worshippers here? He, loads of people. Yep, I'm a devil worshipper, please. Uh, and she says, oh, what do you reckon tonight? Uh, John Moxley against Penta. He says, oh, excuse me, can I can I take the... Thank you, thanks. I'll take the mic. And he does his uh, John Moxley impression. I'm going to grind, grind your bones. I'm going to drink your blood. I'm going to goggle your piss. <laughs> Genius. 
the walk as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Somebody needed to mock that all these years, and it had to be just right. Otherwise, it does undermine how cool Moxley is. This was just right. Wasn't yeah. It? Uh, and he kept, he kept saying, with all due respect, and uh, she says, That's, you're not using that phrase right. And he calls, uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> cheers to us. Um, he says, uh, with all due respect, when I think of uh, Moxley, one thing comes to mind. It's got three letters. It begins with mid. Uh, and he says, oh, also, I just want to clarify something from last week. I did say I was going to earn it, and I did mean every word. Not the word clean so much. <laughs> Relatively quick, clean, he says. Um, uh, but there was uh, one thing that got under my skin, and that's that elderly rat, <laughs> William <laughs> Regal, who said, oh, oh, I didn't use brass nuts because I needed to. I did it because I wanted to. And you say, oh, I can't beat him without my ring. Well, I'll make a promise at full gear. I will not use my ring. I don't need it. And I thought, aye, I bet you'll stick to that promise as much as Moxley said about not using the paradigm shift. Um, he said he's, all, he's not what he needs. All he has ever needed is a grudge, and he's full of them. He's taken every grudge, he's mashed it up into a chip, and the chip's on his shoulder, and in his backyard, he ain't fighting Regal or Moxley or Penta. He is fighting every single sorry scumbag who's ever told him he's not good enough. He's going to take this heavy chip off his shoulder and shove it down all their throats because he's going to become the new AW champion of the world, and he goes to do the big finish. I'm a generational talent, and he is interrupted by Stokely Hathaway of The Firm. He says, uh, don't worry. Don't worry, boss. I got this. John's going to be 100% in full gear. Uh, <laughs> put my hand on him. And MJF like, slaps the mic out of his hand. He's like, shut. He says, you're getting too comfortable. Look, I'll cut you some slack. I want I want John Moxley, after his match with Penta, 110%. So there are, no one can give any excuses when I beat him. He says, you go near him, you lay a hand on him. You even look at him, you're fired. Sensational. Absolutely sensational. Yet again, they strike the balance between how much of a babyface MJF can be without completely compromising who he actually is. Uh, I will watch this 10 times, desperately hunting for one, trying to breadcrumb or a clue, because that's what MJF does. Something that was said here will absolutely matter on the night. It might just be as obvious that he does use diamond ring or... As I've said elsewhere, the brass knuckles finish with Regal, something like that. It's a great show. Every single week, MJF does remind you how valuable he is to AEW, how he's the perfect weekly TV character, because even on the lower key weeks, he's still high key. And that's what's so ingenious about him. I loved how this played in later on as well, because I felt, to be honest, I felt like it's the sort of thing that AEW doesn't really do. Tony Khan, we've said this before, is almost too good at the long term stuff. So to have something in a promo that would be given to you later that night mm. really felt sort of in service of something much bigger. It's like, oh, did you think it was going to be as easy as the things you've been fantasy booking? It's not. We're going to throw you off in this direction, mm. and it's going to happen as a result of something that occurred on this show. It makes the characters feel more urgent. Um, and just this playing off, Renee Paquette was a perfect choice for this as well, because you always wondered how they would play the fact that, you know, she's talking about her husband, the World Heavyweight Champion, but he was, this wasn't her and the Miz. You know, he, he was a less famous Miz in that regard because he's doing a bit about a husband. But this wasn't right. You're going to have to slap him now because of what I said. It was just disrespectful. All the bit where they had her on commentary going, what's going on with John Moxley? Yeah, like she had oh, John to, Moxley, Dean Ambrose, that was his name, wasn't it? She is a broadcast professional and she wasn't going to let that get in the way, but MJF knew full well. And I think there was one point where she said, uh, she just called him John. And she, 
John Moxley in work. Mm. But he oh, got, your majesty. First yeah. name times. What, are we married or something? Like, he, he got just enough under her skin to get out of her. And I thought that was a nice subtle detail because it would be easy enough to just have Tony Schiavone do the John Moxley-related segments. But there she is going, I'm a pro. I'll interview you. So what? I'm not here. We're not like husband and wife here. I'm at work. She's not joined at the hip, yeah. And he got her a little bit just with that. And I thought that was a nice detail. Yeah, tremendous detail. This MGF babyface character is, if it's actually happening, if this is just the threat um, a ruse. It's still fantastic, and it's still a fabulous, promising glimpse at what he would look like if he was a full baby face. I was always under the belief that he can't turn face. It's too good as a too good as a heel. The character at its core is simply too evil that if he were to turn face, it would just feel like a recon and not a character development because he's just too evil. And this is he's nailed it. He's mm, absolutely yeah. nailed it. The idea is that MJF is your dickhead mate who will banter you into oblivion, but is still so funny that he's that's why he's your mate sort of thing. And when he's burying them at the same time as getting them to do the call and response, he's just so funny that he's not betraying the man he is. He's just sort of letting you be his mate a little bit. The devil. And that's why the devil's yeah. so like applicable to this, isn't it? Yeah. Because the devil like that's the sort of like the devil would typically tease you like so you sold him and you get everything you want. But he's a devil in the end with the yeah. tide not the ass. But he just <laughs> he's your best Worst mate, your yeah. worst best mate. And he reminds me of my mate Tompa, right? <laughs> I love he this. is just, he's got this thing, right, where he's got genuinely quite toxic banter. He'll go two-footed, like studs up. Like he will, like, deepest, most embarrassing moments, he'll just bring it up because it amuses him. Mm. And it's like, you kind of, he's like, you're a fucking cunt. <laughs> but he's still your mate. He's still your mate. Not one of his most toxics. I would never reveal anything personal about mm. my friend's life. Like he will just go after. But, um... He was having a dispute. He always has disputes. He has feuds. <laughs> it's always love-hate with each and every one of his friends. He was having a particular dispute with my mate Andy when we lived um, in Heaton in a shared house. So it would have been about 2010. Um, and he just is the most self-interested guy, is Tompa. His room was immaculate. Like, the socks were lo- lined up in his drawer, right. and he just used to just leave things downstairs. <laughs> he just wouldn't care. As long as his room was fine. Yeah. He was fine. Downstairs, that's a mess. I'll hoover it in a couple of weeks. Someone else will do it. Mm. But he'll hoover his room. And he would never buy things for the house. And at one point, Andy was like, you are rinsing my butter for your toast every single morning. (laughs) And he's pissing me off with it. Could you just go to Tesco and get some butter? And he's like, not your dog. I'm not going to go to Tesco because you're telling us to. I'll get it when I'm ready. And it's like, Tom, we're having a few beers in the garden. Tesco is like 20 feet away. Just go and get some butter. I'm getting really pissed off. I don't know how he does this right. But you know, like travel deodorants. Yeah. He finds like one of these sizes of butter. Like, it's the smallest <laughs> tub of butter you've ever seen. Like, I don't even know if they do them anymore. But he just went, went to Tesco, got the butter, just threw it on his lap and went, smallest butter for the biggest And <laughs> <laughs> just went into the house. That's MGF. It's like, I cannot begrudge you for how much of an arsehole you are because you're too funny. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Lizard King stuff, that man, isn't it? I'm picturing one of those like hotel ones you get. Yeah, you peel the label back and it's one nice worth. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Travel butter. The butter on its own is enough. It's like a line would really double down <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah. He must have instead went to the corner shop where it's because it's oh, so yeah. convenient that can just overcharge. Two fifty for one of them things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the petrol yeah. station stuff and just went small butter. Unbelievable, man. It's the line that gets you. 
But it would be enough. Yeah. Because then everybody would laugh at your mate, like, who was in the right in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's also dead as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> and every time anyone has butter, that's yep. it. You're a butter boy now. That's yeah. It. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I will give a nod to uh, Sean Ross Sapp, who just, just tweeted, I assume it was around this time, obviously. Um, I only saw it this morning. I think we're getting honey-dicked by uh, MJF in terms of the fact that he's, he's yeah, he's, you're like, oh, maybe he's going to turn, but like he saw what happened at the end yeah. of this and sure, I took my licks, but it was all there. That's what I was worried about. And that's, I was going to say the exact same thing later on. Yeah, we'll come to that later. Um, yeah. Video package for Matt Taven versus Wardlow. TNT title match this Friday. It's a bull strategy to get him over Cotton. <laughs> You're going to get beasted by Wardlow in five minutes. Welcome to the team. Well, f*** the kingdom. We'll talk more about it on the uh, on the Rampage preview tomorrow with myself and Michael Sidgwick, of course. Uh, and then we got Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara. I thought I had a good uh, opening for this match, but apparently not good enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Guevara instead starts off. He's uh, he's in control. Just starts just yeah nails that double jump cutter very early on for a, for a two count. He flips out of a German suplex, does a few leap progs, and feels feeling pretty good about himself. And then Danielson goes, no 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 no, 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 no. that's not how this match is is going to go. Just nails him with, he catches him Romero special, nails him with strikes. Guevara's like, oh, I can do some forearms. He's like, can you? Go on then. But let me tell me when you're going to start. <laughs> Starts leaning into them. Danielson sends him to the outside, baseball slide. Um, but as he goes for a running knee off the apron, Guevara hits a jumping knee and a springboard moonsault off the top to the floor uh, to take control. Guevara then thinks, it's a good idea to do yes kicks. And Danielson's like, is there a, is there a draft or something? Does he want to leave a, leave a door open? <laughs> Just, just, yeah, wakes, him, wakes himself back up with this, slaps the taste out of Guevara, uh, moonsault out of the corner, hits that charging clothesline of his, backdrops Guevara to the floor, dives through the rope, shotgun drop kick back inside, uh, but Guevara counters a home run kick with a standing Spanish fly. It's always astonishing when he pulls stuff like that out for a two count. Uh, goes up top, though, takes too long, gets crotched, flips out of a back superplex on his feet, Tries for a standing shooting star, but lands right in the label lock. Uh, Danielson goes up top. Guevara does another Spanish fly off there for a two count. Goes for the GTH, but Danielson counters into a poison runner and a Busaiku knee. And yeah, he, again, he could win the match at this point. Doesn't want to. Stamp, stamp, stamp on the face. Triangle choke. Some elbows in for, for added uh, added bastardry. And uh, yeah, Sammy Guevara goes out. Theme of this night, again, encapsulated. This was just so cathartic. Just watching that little smug dickhead <laughs> get beaten up by Danielson was just tremendously, tremendously fun. Um, but you got the best exploration of the dynamic because you got some really exciting Guevara stuff, which popped you because it's spectacular. But then when it was cut off, you got like the gruesome like vengeance that the character that Sammy Guevara deserves. There's always been that dissonance between, well, he's so spectacular... Um, but he's playing a heel, and you don't really want to pop for him, and that kind of turned him babyface in the first place. This is, like, one of the better um, ways to present that sort of conflicting character, if you like, mm. because you sort of resented him for being so spectacular because, you know, he's the guy who's got it all. Um, he almost hit the rafters with that Asai moonsault to the outside. <sighs> that was unbelievable, and it was great because he needed the credibility of a, like, majestic move like that to have any sort of credibility that he's going to beat Danielson, so it informed the drama as well as the uh, the, the, the cheap pop. Um, but no, this was ultimately a slight level below I would have expected when I saw the match graphic pop out. There was a certain sequence where it's the Guevara moonsault 
uh, standing moonsault onto his knee, then the shooting star, which he always never looks good. It, it's always one link on the offensive chain too many, where it looks like if he doesn't break his neck doing the shooting star, then it doesn't look particularly impactful, but at least it was reversed. But that looked a bit clunky, mm. and it's all the more glaring in a Danielson match when something goes awry because it never does. Uh, but ultimately, this is very, very good, very cathartic, and I enjoyed it. I think I was higher on the match, but I might have been blinded by the constant catharsis. It was a match of it. It wasn't just by the finish, he's finally captured him. It was, as you kind of pointed out in the play-by-play, the repeated reminders that Guevara is just not on Danielson's level. And that's okay, because you should see levels. This was, if WWE were booking Brian and The Miz, but weren't so worried about protecting The Miz's aura that they wouldn't just let Danielson laugh off some of his like offense, other than like the it kicks, for example. Otherwise, the Miz would have him for ten minutes of a match, and it was like, no, this is not how this should play out. This was the Tony Khan bloated roster paradox because ah, you sign himself, you sign in too many guys. Also, assemble yourself a roster where you can put this match on Danielson and Guevara. Just is, chuck it away, yeah. Like you can't actually throw this one away because it's a fantastic TV match and the chemistry is so luxurious. I was trying to think of like what WWE have got in terms of two wrestlers that you want to see together that are booked near each other. And I think Rey Mysterio versus Gunther was the only one I could come up with. Mm. It's like, that's something I want to watch. AEW's got hundreds of these. And that is the point of building this scale of a roster. You get this on television. Really, really enjoyed this. But then you also don't get anything to do with Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs and it's as if their feud didn't really matter. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the blessing and the curse, isn't it? Still... Uh, Renee Paquette again backstage at uh, this time with Ray Phoenix and Alex Abrahantes. Uh, they're putting over Penta ahead of the main event, of course. Um, and he says, yeah, whilst Ray, Ray Phoenix here, Abrahantes says, should become the next All-Atlantic champion income Christian Luchasaurus. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? My right-hander should, destruction should should get a shot, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Orange Cassidy walks in and says, you talking about me? <laughs> Let's do this next week. So I assume it's triple threat, isn't it? So he's an idiot. It's a three-way, mate. Sorry, yeah. Bambina Cock. He's right, an he's an idiot. This is all sorts of stupid, and it's title belt inflation, and there's no continuity, and it was contrived, and this is my least favourite moment of the show, as you might have guessed. Yeah, I thought of you immediately when this happened. Yeah. What happened? Um, at Rampage Grand Slam is that Jungle Boy defeated Ray Phoenix. So he should be getting an All-Atlantic title shot, ahead of Phoenix, certainly. But then Luchasaurus beat Jungle Boy, so they've established a pecking order and put the ultimate loser out of the um, degrees of separation between Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Phoenix. So they've put Luchasaurus in there. Fine, he deserves a title shot, I guess, because he's won a spree of um, squashes and then the big one, if you like. So yes, he should be in there. Phoenix is the ultimate loser, and he's a champion of the trio's division at the (laughs) same time. It's all a complete mess. I'm going to be slightly generous to this Orange Cassidy thing, right? I hate so much a baby face willingly put themselves in a match where they could lose the title. I hate it um, because it rem- it's just stupid. It's a stupid decision. It means that they could lose in an unfair way. They're meant to be fair characters. Um, maybe the idea is now that he's a champion, he's trying, and this is like a weird overcorrect where it's like, don't try that much orange and I don't know if that's meant to be amusing or not but I certainly don't find it that funny that's what I was going to throw up. What what is this Orange Cassidy I still don't quite get it he's become is, Christian is he like a booker of three way matches he doesn't want to carry <laughs> he doesn't want to carry the belt around so he's had to get a bag for it is he trying to lose it but he's just too good so he's like lining himself up two triple threat matches in a row now is that 
what he's after. He's like, this is a bit hard graft, this captain's battle. Maybe I'll lose it. Arm class, I've won again. Oh, well, Whoops. on to the next one. So next week, he's going to be like a four-way. He's going to book himself in a casino ladder match at full gear. Yeah. He's like, I've won again, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wins another belt. Oh, my bag's really heavy. He's selling his back like Matt Jackson. Like, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. Again, it's like, is this thing where they do, like, like a bit of reverse psychology of the guy that never tries is trying to say, is it that? Like, even so the, the, the even his promo style is changing a bit with it as well. It's like the trope of the teen sex comedy where the guy has sex for the first time and it turns out, you know, he's like great at it. Yeah. It's like the Orange Cassidy thing where it's like he didn't try for so long, then he tries, I'll just try every week now. Love wrestling, me. Yeah. I'm having a hard day doing absolutely nout. Like, I need a good wrestle to like, get <laughs> off the scene. So I think it's not landing for me if that is indeed no. the, the purpose. Uh, Jamie Hayter versus Riho came next. Uh, we'll do the match then. We'll do the the game that we play um, afterwards. It was, of course, the story of Jamie Hayter is really strong and Riho is really quick because she's about, what, 80 kilos or something <laughs> like that. Um, low bridges Hayter and go on, do the thing. Top rope, crossbody yeah. for the outside. Yay! Um, always love seeing those two do that uh, spot. Uh, Hater recovers though, drives Riho into the side of the ring, into the guardrail, hits some snap suplexes in the ring, and just just chucks her around as we uh, as we go to break. Uh, at one point, she takes the ref, and Baker just goes, "I'll have some shots." Actually, I won't mind getting a bit of this. Trash talks Riho on the floor. Uh, Riho cartwheels into a drop kick, Casador into a double stomp. Uh, Taz says, "Oh, that hurt like the Dickens." Um, Rebel tries to get involved forearmed off the apron Hater blocks a, a tiger faint kick tries a suplex into the ring and Riho counters that into a northern lights for two Hater rolls through a top rope crossbody this time though into a brain buster for a great near fall uh, Riho floats over a back suplex into a crossbody and uh, hits a hur- uh, Hurricane Rana off the second rope. Um, she uh, gets tripped up by Baker with the referee not seeing it. That allows Hater to block a sunset flip, but Riho just code reds her instead. Uh, Riho misses a top rope double stomp, runs straight into a backbreaker from Hater. Uh, she keeps rolling through snap suplexes and that. Um, rolls through a ripcord into a roll up, but for Hater pops up flattens her, and then hits a ripcord lariat uh, to get the victory. Uh, post-match, Tony Storm walks out on the stage and holds up a title, and Jamie Hayt is there, and Rip Baker's like, oh, I wouldn't mind a bit of that as well. What do you make of all this? This all kicked ass. Like, I love that you've got a new legacy rivalry in Jamie Hayt and Riho, not just for the fact that they're levelled up in the series, but also because of that bump. That's There's this thing now that matters between them beyond matches. They're going to do the thing. <laughs> they're paired together. That's great. Because eventually Hayt might win the title, and then you've got a really cool title programme. Yeah. Jamie Hayt there, doing one of the most difficult things to balance when you're in the middle of basically becoming a babyface megastar is being an ass-kicking heel for one week. Seems to recall Batista doing it during the Evolution run. I think he was paired against Orton when they were still saying Orton's a babyface. But he's putting so much goddamn snap into those spinebusters. Jamie Hayter's doing that, and it's a really difficult thing to balance because people do want to cheer her. People re- like We're all behind now. You can feel the momentum building. The turn on Britt Baker's going to come, all this sort of thing. Wardlow, they were doing it with Wardlow. How many, like Wardlow versus CM Punk. He is absolutely battering that guy half dead. But he's, he's popping his tits as well, it's so it's pretty awesome. good. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool, actually. Like, I can't wait until I'm allowed to cheer him. That whole thing, we're, we're having that with Jamie Hayter. And that atmosphere for me is one of... It's just one of my favourites, personally, in wrestling. You had that here. Rio was absolutely perfect to knock all out of the shop and then just support the babyface comeback at the same time. Mm. You get to do both. Uh, so much so that... It, I don't know if it was a problem for usage, but I didn't even mind the NXT. I want the belt. Well, I've got the belt. Well, we're separated by this ramp, actually. And Britt Baker, I, I like Britt Baker as a bit of a, like, the yappy dog figure all of a sudden to Jamie Hayter. Mm. It's, she's very smartly reduced herself for the benefit of this series because 
well, she's got something going on with Soraya anyway. Yeah, I want to finish with that, though. We're back to, it's back to my thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Tough tits, mate. It's not. It's, yeah, she's got the belt now. I, I love this. I love all of this so much. I don't mind ramp stuff when it's a means by which to further a story and not the story in and of itself, which it was far too often during the original NXT on USA run. Oh, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a visual accompaniment to the real story, which is Jamie Hayter is ascending so far up that she has been identified by Tony Storm as Tony Storm as the biggest threat. She was watching on a monitor. Watching on the monitor and thought, you know what? It's going to come out and say, if you want it, take it. I value the fact that you're um, ostensibly top ranked or you're the biggest shark in the tank and I'm a fighting champion. And it all rests on Britt Baker, the slow realization of, huh, she's getting better <laughs> than me at this. Don't really like that, actually. <laughs> and this match was really, I wish the crowd were really hot throughout the wound. I thought this was the match. That was guaranteed to break the pattern of, all right, we're into some of it, not all of it, but here they were into some of it and not all of it. I thought this was going to be red hot throughout, so I was a little bit disappointed. Mm. Um, but ultimately, Jamie Hayter got the, the pap at the start, and people were really happy that she won. So it's another small building block in a division that's getting quite good, actually. Mm. It's I, getting really good. It's still enough. It's still obligatory. It's still, the representation is still, quite frankly, piss poor, but what minimal representation they get, they are smashing it, mm. and they are telling stories, and it's beyond the title picture, and people are getting over, and I just loved the simple, absorbing plot thread of, if you do not get out of the way of this, my arm, in your face, like you're, you're knackered, and watching Riho slip out of it into those great pinning combinations of hers, and when she powers up to do like the, the suplexes and the code reds. It's just, I'll never get over that with Riho. She's so good at it. And then just watching, oh, is this the one? No, it isn't. There might be hope yet for Riho. Oh, is this the one that's going to smash from the jaw? Oh, no, it isn't. She's <laughs> reversed it in a different way. And the, the last one had to be very, very snug. And it was. And it was blissful. Riho's suplex counters are such a cheat code. Oh, God, Because it's like she's had to use, like, a special on mm, a game. Yeah. Just a little for that. Ah! Like, she's just like, <laughs> it's, it's such a great the device. Snap dragons against Nyla Rose. In oh, that, yeah. In that... Uh, I think it was February 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the best month of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't too bothered about the whole Ram stuff, to be perfectly honest, because I thought... There was, a, there was a story yeah. beforehand, yeah, yeah. Because I like the idea I like the idea of Britt Baker going there. Yeah, that's right. We won, and we're coming for that, but why are you looking at her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah good stuff. Uh, one last thing to do, though, of course. It's time to play the game! I could have pressed that button for the joke. Oh, no. We're going to be we'll serious that, with the game. Yeah. Uh, what game was it, anyway? The, the, the serious game is, well, this is ladies' <laughs> night, and I'm thinking, no, what a nader. The idea is that by guessing to the hour, minute, and second, the first time you hear the first women's wrestler, the theme, appear for the obligatory match, the more we get it to the minute, hour, and second, the more you'll go, hmm, feels like a bit of an obligation. <laughs> 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 43. <laughs> deep, deep, deep Alistair Green cuts on this podcast. Um, the idea time is for that... your Sunday scaries. <laughs> it's time, it's time, it's time. Hey, Halloween's on the Monday, so Sunday's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> Monday's scarier, actually. Because it's Halloween, you <laughs> Drink a f***ing treat. Uh, Sage. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay goes, drink a <laughs> Uh, be 
Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. So uh, our thoughts go out to uh, to Adam Blair. Um, he's not nothing wrong with him. He just uh, can't watch wrestling at the moment. <laughs> he normally keeps us uh, on track with all the all the what's the what's the phrase? Not data. Um, data. There you go. Data, data um, asshole. So data what beast. were what were the timings that we submitted? For? It's aluminum. For uh, oregano, this. actually. So our guesses. Yes. What were our guesses? Shout out, by the way, to uh, Jose Palomares, who's uh, stepped up to the plate this week to. Uh, do all the admin. Thank you very much, Jose. So we'll go from earliest to latest. Adam Wilborn guessed one hour, 18 minutes and 20 seconds. Sidewick, one of his moron trolls called me once. <laughs> one hour, 21 minutes and 21 seconds. Hemp flat, one hour, 23 minutes and 45 seconds. One, two, two three, three, four, five. <laughs> Senses working overtime. <laughs> Do you like XTC? Not really. Ah, sorry. <laughs> that Mambo number five. Shut up, man. What do you prefer? XTC or, my, or well, XTC. Lou Bega? It's Lou Bega, for Christ's sake. Of course it's XTC. <laughs> what, what do you prefer? I'm more of a Lou Bega, man. Yeah. Uh, one hour, 17 minutes and 37 seconds was the uh, correct time. Every now and then, I just feel like popping Michael Collar. He's got good yeah. taste in music. He likes XTC. He probably hates me for the Scott Walker no, slander. I, I reckon he's a Scott Walker guy. Later, Michael Cullen might send us an image where like, he's playing Scott Walker's vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man's got great taste. Uh, so thank you to, to Jose. At the Ho 11 on Twitter. Maybe more the HO11, probably. I, don't, yeah. I doubt he's calling himself that. Uh, which means uh, Michael Hamlet has got three correct guesses so far. <sighs> Michael Sidgwick has five. And if you add those two scores together, you get eight, which is what I've got. <laughs> uh, right, what happened next what on Dynamite? Old will be numbers over here. <laughs> Mr. Math. Uh, Renee Paquet is backstage. The dawn of data over <laughs> here. <laughs> Renee Paquet is backstage with Eddie Kingston. He's, he's just, he's having a great time. He's smiling. Look at me. Everything's fine. All right. He's so. making pee, isn't he? <laughs> Look at my smile. It's everything's great. Actually, happy mar- literally making margaritas for two years. <laughs> That's where I'm at mentally. Uh, and he says, "Let's stop worrying about me. Let's talk about John for a second. He says, "Look, tonight's match main event's going to be great. Penta's my dude, but I think John's going to take it. That's it. And everyone else, leave me alone." <laughs> Inc- incredible. I absolutely love this promo. Um, I love that this is direction for Eddie Kingston again. Much needed. I know there was a punishment in that, but even then. It was a lot of Chris Jericho, wasn't it? A lot of it. This feels something that's about him and people are going to suffer. I'm scared and I love it. Yeah, I don't know if it's... I don't think it's a heel turn. I certainly hope it isn't. He's no. still beloved. Um, I don't know where it's going. I'm very interested. I'm interested in anything Eddie Kingston does. I think it's beyond time. People have talked a lot about the gaping hole left by CM Punk and the Elite. Eddie Kingston not being... The heart and soul of this company that isn't named John Moxley. It's had a lot to do with AEW being a bit meh mm. of late as well. Mm. Uh, and there was a video package that I know you enjoyed, Hamlet. Next for uh, for Darby Allen, he's explaining where Sting's been. He said, "Look, uh, I told Sting I wasn't happy. I just want to crawl away." And Sting said, "You can't do that." Uh, he, you know, Darby wants to prove himself to himself. Um, last week, of course, Jay Lethal said, "I've got a friend and he knows your weaknesses," but Darby knows his weakness. Is himself, um, and he says, "Oh, why don't you get your, why don't you get your pals? 
come to Dynamite next week and tell me face to face what my biggest weakness is. Uh, and Jay Lethal immediately responds, saying, We've got a match next week. Uh, you're in for a rude awakening. And Sanjay Dutt says, You're, you're going to get it, boy, basically. I like reversed footage of a bin bag with a face drawn on it as much as the next man. I like it so. But just sometimes. Uh, earnestly. Just sometimes it was nice to actually feel like there's a bit of character development because you can like or dislike these Darby Allen vignettes, but you kind of know what they're about, don't they? It's almost like you can see these reference in a match that he's going to have. This is like he's acknowledging that he's acknowledging what a lot of people have said, actually, which is, you know, when a wrestler talks about the bad booking, but they can't say, they can't say this is bad booking, Jim Ross. You're not supposed to say that line <laughs> on it. Bad booking. This is bad booking. Yeah. <laughs> That line's not supposed to come out. I want to go down there. Wrestlers should acknowledge when things haven't gone so well, and I like this from Darby Allen. Uh, and the mention of Sting not being around is just a nice detail because he did get his ass handed to him last mm. week, and Sting was nowhere to be found. So <laughs> I'd, I like the idea. My biggest weakness is myself. Yeah, I'd say that too. If you, if I asked you the question, how did you prepare for your big match, and you said fall off a waterfall? Yeah. So <laughs> jumped off a bloody bridge, didn't I? <laughs> Darby, that's not training. Oh. I'm blow up my bloody black. <laughs> Broke my legs jumping over the roof of my house. Don't put me in a figure four leg lock. Oh, he's put me in a figure four leg lock. I told you not to. I broke my legs jumping over the thing I asked. I get it, right? Sean Darby Allen, look at how powerful he is in, like, you know, what's the word? There's endurance in his. Full of pressure and vinegar. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> what was. Uh, he's not American and being brave. No, it was Jim Ross when he talked about. Um, Mankind, not intestinal fortitude, about his ability to withstand pain. He had a certain phrase that he always used to say oh. about mankind and yeah. McFoley. Someone's going to tweet this out. Not like fre- no, 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 threshold for pain. What was it? I can't remember. I know, I mean, that, exactly. you know what it is. Uh, yeah. But I'd, I'd, I wouldn't necessarily show him taking a 10 foot back bump on a concrete and then expect me to like do a two foot bump on a, a canvas and it's going to hurt as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always think of it like Tony Carmos watched his videos. Great. I'm I've, put, got it, I've got what it. I've got it. I'm falling from pervious to pain. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Tony Constantine says, great, we're going to put it on television. Fantastic. But you keep doing that on a Saturday, and I need you for a Wednesday. <laughs> this is your job. Like, it's like what Jeff Hardy used to, like, yeah, on the weekend, I just like to go back to my uh, tinfoil house and do uh, jumps on motocross through burning rings. <laughs> We've got your swans on an awful ladder on a Monday, mate. Like, that's what's paying for your tinfoil house. Right, main event time. You just get to the main event. Moxley versus Penta for the AW World title. Uh... Excalibur um, put over the beforehand the uh, mask versus match match. Is that what it is? I don't know if my yeah. mouth worked there or not. Nah. Uh, he said... There was two masks because there was a match. It was all right. Uh, they just start battering each other, basically. Spin out of each other's finishes. Uh, and Moxley runs at him and Penta goes, oh, no, the perfect counter for this. Do the zero Mieno thing. And Moxley's like, what's that? <laughs> Have some of that, you prick. Uh, he gets sent outside. Penta hits a somersault dive. Takes off his glove, does Penta to chop Moxie against the post, but then he hits the post. Your glove could have protected you against that. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> uh, Moxie takes You're over. What an idiot. Penta hits a backstabber in the ring for two. Uh, Moxie hits a release overhead suplex into the corner uh, when Penta runs at him. They're both down. Moxie goes after the masks. They just start trading boots. Very hard hitting affair, this, as you would expect. Penta hits a sling blade. Moxie gets out of the fear factor. Um, and uh, hits a cutter and a pile driver for a two. Starts putting Amble elbows in. Puts him in the bulldog choke. And I think Excalibur pointed out, because we couldn't see it, that Penner had sort of undone his mask to escape the bulldog choke. It was a nice nice touch. Um, and he snaps Moxley's arm as we as we booked and gets himself a near fall out of it. 
they fight on the apron. Penta tries to hit a destroyer on the steps, but Moxley counters with a DDT. Um, hits a King Kong lariat, does uh, Moxley for a two count. Penta fights out of the corner, super kicks the leg out of Moxley's leg, um, hits a double stomp off the top into the fear factor uh, uh, for a near, super close near fall. Um, Penta goes for the pose, tries to springboard and goes straight to the paradigm shift. Death Rider for the one, two, three. Let's deal with a match and then we'll deal with the post match. This reminded me of Mox versus Brody King, where I had enormous expectations of this super heated, grisly brawl. And honestly, I, I know they hit each other hard, but I found elements of this tepid, or I don't know, it just didn't electrify me in the way that the best Moxley matches do. Not saying it's bad, not saying it wasn't good. They did a 2.9 kick out where I thought Penta was a new world champion. <laughs> so yeah. ultimately, that was great. That was an achievement. But yeah, this wasn't on the level of Mox's best output. And you think with two guys who will literally bleed buckets for the cause, um, I just thought this lacked a little bit of a certain mm. quoi for me. I, don't, I also got worried because I'm a bit of a ghoul about Warner Media being bitches about blood. Because yeah, I wonder where that was. You can guarantee six months ago this would have been a bloodbath. Where's the mm. blood? And <laughs> you're a bitch, Hamlet. But like, I should be allowed it on a yeah. on a bi-monthly basis. Bi-monthly bloodbath. <laughs> That's yeah. what I would like. I don't want to see it every week. That's what they should rename it. Battle of the Belts. Yeah, actually, fucking watch it then. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, I wonder if this was a bit was undermined possibly by a bit of a farcical build. Fans weren't like I think some of the moments where this felt like this lacked. Uh, drama was because there wasn't as much heat in the building that I was expecting for it as well because it's a Moxley title defence and maybe this fabulous way that AEW has protected the integrity of this title by making title shots this thing that you've got to absolutely fight for your life to get it's something that they should think about again yeah. and not have a Daily's Place car park scuffle with the only two wrestlers in the Jacksonville area code because uh, I really think that harmed what should have felt the Brody King comparison is interesting because that was built to in a more logical fashion. So maybe not. Maybe just sometimes it, it doesn't work. Maybe John Moxley versus the monster figures isn't isn't quite the dynamic. Possibly, I don't know. Penta, I, I don't. I always want more for Penta than what he ends up being as well. Penta the monster just doesn't work because within the same match, like the arm stuff is no so. This goes right back to Cody, doesn't it? Like it just, goes back longer than that. Well, yeah, but it's, it's been about eight years since the put, arm was really effective. They don't put faith in Penta's cruelty, certainly within AEW at least, and I just think it's, it's, he's there to be a villain and not a lot more. The thing with Penta's arm, right, it's weird how wrestling used to look radically different because we are... 1990 was the year that Warrior was on top of the world. 1998 was the year where it was like, oh, my God, he's a complete washed-up joke. Yeah. And it couldn't feel like he's just not belonged to this time. That's pretty much the same span of time where Penta's arm break and stuff used to really mean something, and now it doesn't. But it's such a cool thing that people still want it to be a thing, and it just it isn't. Mm-hmm. More, um, of a, more, of, th- more of a murderer feeling character than Dexter Loomis. Yeah, yeah. And Luke's underground. That's why he will kill you with this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, let's talk about the post-match, Sige, uh, because afterwards, the firm hit the ring. W. Morrissey, Guns, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, Stokely's directing traffic once he gets in there. They take out John Moxley, take out the world champion, of course. Down comes security, they get taken out. We cut backstage because you think, well, where's the Blackpool Combat Club? Marvez is stood outside their locker room, which has been chained up, and the bloke's like, oh, God, get some bolt cutters then. <laughs> it's a bit late that for that, mate. Mox- <laughs> I like the fact that Moxley doesn't just... Get his head kicked in. He mm. fights back a bit, but there's like six of them. So he obviously fights back and then goes, back down you go. Um, 
MJF goes out there, oh, I don't know, he's conflicted, what does he do? Uh, then just said, no, bollocks. Runs down, fires the firm. And the firm go, cool, guess we don't work for you anymore. And then they take him out. Page uh, hits a, an ego's edge on, on MJF. Uh, he tries to fight back again uh, in the midst of all this. And then uh, Morrissey choke slams him through the, uh, the the ring attendant table there at ringside. And the firm stand tall. Both guys clearly not going to be 100% by the time the paper rolls around. But you referenced this earlier about feelings about this as well, Sige. Yeah. I think that Eddie Kingston, I don't know if they should have really hit on this beat more, but in the past, when he's talked about his struggles with depression... Um, he's been withdrawn, isolated himself. I think it was a story where he just um, felt completely worthless. And um, I think, and I would hate to misquote this, but I think it was Larry Sweeney sent him a letter. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. as if to say, like, please come back to us all. We miss you and mm-hmm. we want you to be around and all the rest of it. So maybe if he's in this headspace where he's fine, he doesn't need any help, he's thinking that I'm of no value to people, so why would I help John Moxley? I hope this gets picked up as a thread because otherwise it's a narrative convenience that he just wasn't there. We've got all the trouble of saying that, right, Moxley's mates, the BCC, can't help him. If Mox and Ortiz had come out, uh, Kingston and Ortiz had come out, if it's a five-on-five babyface heel brawl, the babyfaces come out on top except the babyfaces. That's how it works. There still wouldn't be the numbers. They mm. wouldn't have equalized the numbers, so it still would have worked. So I hope they pick up the Kingston thread because it's scanned to me as a plot hole but then I might be applying generous headcanon for my other explanation. Um, but ultimately, this is so hot. I, was there a smattering of boos in the Mox match for Mox? Of like, oh, he's going to win again. Or have I made that up? Certainly it felt like MGF was way more over as a babyface than Mox was in this building. I think that's AEW. Yeah. more over than Punk in Chicago. They are playing a dangerous game that could upset John Mox's character. So I'm fascinated by all of this. Truly, I can't wait to see the next development of the story. And ultimately, they've earned their let it play out privileges. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that's just the aces and eights, and that's a bit stupid. Surely it isn't. Surely it isn't. I don't think it is. Like there's, don't get me wrong, there's thousands of hours of podcasts where I'm made out to look like a stupid asshole. But I, I think I'm safe in saying that this is not going to be MJF saying, yeah, I had to sucker you in. But you can say, I'm still suckering you in. I just didn't count on them beating the shit out of me. Yeah. Like the leave him alone, could be the suckering in bit. And then it was like, oh, this went a bit too far, and they put me through a table. <laughs> this, we've said this before, John Moxley, you have to work really hard. Deadly game tournament with Steve Austin, you have to work so hard to fool your baby faces if you booked your baby faces effectively. If MJF is going to fool John Moxley... Twin you, referees. Twin referees. Twin referees, Hogan, deadly game. Yeah, it's got to be with getting in, like getting William Regal on his side. It's got to be with making John Moxley think, that, all right, you're an absolute piece of shit, but you're not that big a piece of shit that you want these guys to help. I love that you've been shown this as a, well, roll that off your finished bingo card at full gear. It's not going to be the firm now. I quite like that because it, I guess it still could be, but I don't think it will. No. They've given us more things to speculate on. Uh, I quite like the firm and MJF being disassociated from one another because you've got to, in the same night that MJF says, ah, that's not cheat a little bit. He's also staying true to his word with this. Mm. He's such a fascinating character. So hard to read. He's everything CM Punk once was. He'd be... Punker himself is sat at home. PG Punk's at home. Proud of this because this is a sort of like... Try to say be miserable. Well, yeah, if, if he's watching. I don't imagine he is. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, ju- I just think this is the sort of... This is exactly the sort of stuff you should be doing with MJF as long as you don't... Don't work me at the end. Like, yeah, I took the table bump, but it was worth it to get this title. 
That's not that's not him. He's no. like levels. But <laughs> it shouldn't need saying. There's levels between MJF and Bully Ray. Yeah. <laughs> like <they're> <laughs> <laughs> Quote that off busted open, Tony Khan. Come on, I'm off again. A loser. He's not a loser. If he comes on our podcast, he's been busted open. Sucks. Bro, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we have it. Oh, <laughs> Great episode of Dynamite. Let us know your thoughts. That's me on saying it. it is that when he comes on the podcast, like, yeah, I took my lips. Yeah, yeah. But we got him on the podcast. Let us know your thoughts on everything on Twitter <laughs> at what culture WWE. Uh, watch they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. For more of these uh, more brilliant thoughts of Michael Sidgwick on this show, you can read ups and downs right now at whatculture.com. It's basically the transcript. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and check out uh, what ups and downs as a video today because a better ball guy's doing it. Um, Andy Murray, he said that to me himself. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm joking. Him. I'm joking. I'm joking. Be nice to him. Uh, he did. He did ups and downs. Go and check that out. Uh, it'll, yeah, it's a podcast later. You can go and watch the video right now uh, on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Anna Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcast. We might be back later on with another AW theme podcast if I get. So, uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. We'll see. It's a busy day, isn't it? You'll get um, something, maybe. <laughs> You'll get something. I'll just listen to this again. Yeah. <laughs> On a different platform. Yeah. Yes. On Well, I mean, what's that going to sound like if they put that on half speed? Whoa. It's going to be inaudible. Oh, Did you know this on Spotify? Like it music? Check it out on Podbean. There's a special extra on there for you. <laughs> we put an Easter egg on the Podbean edition, but you've got to listen to it all the way through to see if you can spot it. Tweet us if you find it. Three listens. Only when you get three listens will you unlock the Easter egg. Well, it's been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dudley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.